We're talking Florida teen accused of running a fake gynecology center. Beyonce protesters updates and Good Times cast starts a Kickstarter for a reunion movie. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live this week. Hey everybody, what's up? I'm Dario Christian. Welcome to Black Hollywood Live this week. We got an exciting show for us today. We got a little nasty girl, Vandy Six, playing right now. R.I.P. Denise Matthews. But joining us today is Courtney Stewart. What's up, y'all? DJ Jesse J. What's up? And our very special guests are two very talented actors. They are going to be in a new play in a movie that's coming out. Rachel Walker and John Merchant are here with us today. Woo-hoo. How are you guys doing? Hello. Welcome. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're excited. You got the coolest voice in Hollywood right now, John. I just got to say that. Wait, John, we, I think we need to pull your mic up just a little bit so we can, so we can get that. So that we can there get the go. full yeah. voice go. you got going on. You might blow us out, right? You might blow us out. All that like Megan Trainer, all about that bass. That's right. Well, you know, of course, I had the theme music a little bit playing for um, Denise Matthews, who was Vanity, Vanity from Vanity Six. Uh, we learned this week uh, that she unfortunately passed away, and she's pretty much an icon in pop culture. I mean, Prince discovered her very early on in the early 80s, and she went on to lead that group and had a very successful acting career, singing career, uh, and later on changed her life around uh, after a, a, a strong drug problem back in the 80s and 90s to become a minister and, and a born-again Christian. Uh, but she passed away this week, unfortunately, through a failure of uh, her kidneys, and uh, we wanted to give her a shout-out in, in, in a moment. Uh, for her because she's been such an instrumental part of pop culture today so rest in peace and uh, you know we hope to see you again one day so um, we want to have that moment for her all right on to positive things Um, more positive things you two once again are joining us today and we got a lot of fun subjects I can't kind of give a little briefing on those but we're going to first read the buzzer meter question from last week which was do you find Beyonce's formation empowering Beyonce's been in the news a lot I'm sure you guys have been Hearing and seeing everything, especially yes. since Super Bowl with her formation, yes. Black Panther. Why don't you get in Black power, whole thing that she had going on that a lot of people either loved or hated. And, mm. you know, her, her fans were going in on some other fans, and it was just a big old thing. But you guys voted, and 72% of you said yes, and 28% of you said no. Oh, all right. So, smart kids out there. Yeah. I'm... I'm I want to know about that 28%. I'm surprised. Like, who are they? Just, They're yeah, just Beyonce haters. I thought it would be a lower number, actually. Rih- Rihanna's haters. fans came to the website. Yeah, they were like, ah, oh, here we go again. Right, right. They were part of that Rihanna fan. Anti! That didn't want her to show up to the Grammys on Sunday. Pretty much. Yeah, all right. Uh, the buzzer meter question for today is, should the FBI work with Apple? We're going to get more into that story. But uh, first up, we got some good trending topics that DJ Jesse's going to talk about. Boom. So I was going to talk about Beyonce's black video that went viral this past <laughs> week on SNL. But but all this ish came out. Uh, there was hide your wife, hide your kids, and double check your wife's gynecologist because there was this boy by the name of Malachi Love Robinson. Um, he, he was arrested for giving physical and medical physical medical exams to patients, um, and oh, he wow. is not a licensed doctor. So this boy is 18 years old, walking around St. Mary's down in Florida with a lab coat on. Peeking into gyno exams and just walking on up to people like, hey, I'm Dr. Love Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a nice guy, right? (laughs) Well, apparently, a patient saw this little boy walking around with a lab coat and was like, why is there a child walking around (laughs) with a clipboard pretending to be a doctor? So the... Uh, the hospital looked into it. They figured it out. There was a Dr. Kent who was like, yeah, this guy keeps coming up to me and asking me all these questions. And one day I just looked at him and I was like, he looks a little too young. And it put two and two together and they figured out that this kid who was arrested in January 2015 for pretending to be a doctor, um, he got off on $6,000 bail. Uh, he opened up his own clinic called yeah. the New Birth, New Life, Holistic, and Alternative Medical Center in West Palm Beach. He was taking money from people, so there's some you know little feuds within that. He did an uh, interview with Good Morning America in which they asked him, you know, do you have your license? And he said, you guys will meet my attorneys, and walked off in the middle of the interview. His grandfather stepped up and said... 
This is all a big misunderstanding. He's got proof that he is a holistic doctor or he can treat people holistically. And he's also training to become a minister under me. And his mother came out to say, this is all a mistake because he has an illness and he isn't taking his medication. So there have been no charges against him yet. What are y'all thinking? I mean, <laughs> wow. When I saw this story, it, it has so many layers. Oh, it was SVU, just, it please was, pick this yeah, one up. Yeah, this is a good one for SVU. Um, I mean, even Ryan Murphy, if he does something like a new thing. Yeah, that would you be know, a good one for Movie, American TV series, horror story. American horror story would be a great one. I mean, I, I'm so fascinated by this kid. First of all, he's 18 years old. He's a holistic, his angle was holistic me- medicine. That was his angle. He opened up two offices, yeah. first of all. Like, he had staff. Yeah. I mean, The staff. grandfather says basically the idea was he ran the company and then they brought doctors in under him. He never, they, he's saying that he never actually did anything. And he 18 and right so. now? Or he was 18 like two years well, he ago was, when he first no, started? No, no, no. Right now. Ago. Right now he's 18. He in this 18. moment. Yeah. Who leased the building to the shop? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Who like, leased the building? And his office was among other doctors. No, and it was real cute, it, too. It was, like, it was, I saw the office. He wasn't the like, only doctor or uh, alleged doctor on, on the floor. He's with surgeons and all kind of different doctors on the floor I mean, who would see him every it's day. It's scary, but at the same time, I would hate to crush such a miraculous imagination. Like, brother, you... you <laughs> well, what do you guys think? The grandfather came out to say, look, there are kids out there doing drugs, raping people. You know, he's here and he has wants to... This is what he wants to do with his life. And he wants... It's upsetting to me because I'm all about holistic medicine, and it gives that a bad name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it turns people away from it, and just because it's holistic, it's okay? No, it's not okay. I I agree with you. I think, you know, it's saddening because you're crushing this this boy's dreams, but at the same token, there's a way to go about About it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Listen, I ain't gonna lie. It made me side-eye my doctor for a little bit. Like, I'm thinking, like, okay, do I need to look on the wall and make sure I see the plaque of the... Yeah, of the, of the you should have sure been did that before you went in. Office. I guess so, but here's Especially the thing. Especially out here in L.A. look at the medical board before you go in. I'm like, your doctor next to a Chipotle and a 7-Eleven? But where is he getting all the supplies and things like that? You know what I mean? And how is he paying his... Well, he's probably paying the staff by these checks that he's cashing because there was one woman, I think her name was Anita let's see, Anita Williams or something in reference to that but basically she was saying that she was one of his heavy victims um, where she, she took about $3,000 to $4,000 yeah. from her that he was oh, cashing wow. her checks and she was really whatever her ailment was she was pretty sick and she said that he had given her some holistic tablets and she felt oh you know they're not really doing anything but maybe it's just I'm so sick that it takes a while or you know, it hasn't really kicked oh, in in full man. effect. So that's where I'm kind of oh, like, man. you know, that's not so cool because someone could die mm-hmm. on, you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's a that's a whole other different issue, you know? And it's it's scary. I think it's scary. Heck I mean, it's, yeah, it's scary. Because then it's, then I'm just like, damn, I mean, he went and just easily opened up these offices <laughs> like and, it and, it was, and with other doctors. And, and then I'm like, where did he, what TV show is he studying that he knows certain terminology? Because <laughs> I'm going to pick some things up with my doctor. If they saying stuff, I'm like, I know. <laughs> These doctors have Snapchats. They be showing them cutting open people. I mean, that's true. You like, can find everything on social media. Dr. Miami you on could. Snapchat. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You but can find you're everything into on social media. the whole holistic treatment yes, thing. So yeah. what do you, how do you, like, find the appropriate person to treat that? Research. Yeah. I mean, you do yeah. background checks. Absolutely. I mean, anybody can say anything they want. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I do my research, and I actually... When you go tr- in, are there certain, like, terms and things that you, you kind of... That I listen for? Well, mainly it's it's the aura yeah. and, and the space, and you'll know how it smells. You'll know how these people represent themselves, and you'll know, like, this is the place I want to be at. Right, this like, if it smells like Kraft Macaroni and Trees and Crayola, you, you he, made it, he made it to you. Back away, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then usually their website will have good information on it. Yeah. You can find You can find anything on the Internet, so just do your research. That's, no that's what's scary, though. That's Ooh. that's what's scary. Well, he made a statement. He um, said, uh, I just wanted to say I am deeply saddened and a little bit disrespected by some of the things that have come under factor. And I'm like, how are you disrespected? Aren't you disrespecting people by making them think I that mean, they're getting better and they're not getting better? doing gynecological exams, brother. Mm. No. <laughs> like, we can't. 
It's scary. Well, speaking of disappointed and highly sad, and uh, Kanye West performed on SNL this past weekend, which was a great performance. It was Um, good that he got out there. Loved it. Um, I also love his new album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, check it out, available on Tidal. Um, But page six leaked audio of Kanye. There was a rumor that he had cussed SNLO, and when Taylor Swift did her... Speech basically saying, Kanye, stop talking about you want to fuck me. I got the award myself. Like, thank you. Kanye apparently <laughs> called her a fake ass. Um, so this is what happened. Apparently he showed up at SNL. They, 30 minutes before he was supposed to perform, they changed his whole set around. And his quote was this. They took my stage off SNL without asking me. Now I'm bummed. That fa- and that fake ass Taylor, man, we're going to break the internet. I went through six years of this shit, bro. Let's get to it, bro. Let's get to it, bro. Let's get to it, bro. Are they fucking crazy? Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. For the next thousand years, Stanley Kubrick, Pablo Picasso, Paul the Apostle, I'm 50% more influential than any other human being. Stanley Kubrick, yee. That was a really good in- interpretation. <laughs> I watched it I, right I before felt, this, I so I could channel Kanye it. And you, you channeled that inner Kanye. Yeah. I, so I, I was feeling that. He then goes on to say, <laughs> uh, a close friend of Kanye's came out and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's all rumors. They recorded that while he was backstage talking to his friends. He wasn't talking to the SNL staff like that. Actually, he stayed late and hung out with the um, producers and the uh, camera people at SNL and talked with them and laughed with them. Um, so he's like, people are making this a little <laughs> bigger than what it what it is. It also stems on the next day, we hear Kanye West tells everyone he's $53 million in debt. Right. Why? Because he decided, fuck Nike, fuck Adidas, fuck everybody. I'm going to put $53 million of my own hard work money into my product. Love it. I'm here for that. Now, here's what I'm not here for. He then went on to say, now, because the line may not have done as great or miraculous as he wanted it to be, um, a fan by the name of, well, he actually hit up uh, Mark Zuckerberg and asked him to donate a billion dollars. Yeah. To Kanye West so that he can, as he said, bring more beautiful ideas to the world. Well, I don't think Mark has hit him back, but a fan, Jeremy <laughs> a smart move. Jeremy Hyatt, created a GoFundMe account asking for, of course, $53 million. Um, they've received over 400 donations, $3,800 in total, and $5 will get help you promote your business. So using Kanye West's name. So, of course, you know. The draggers had to – the trolls had to make their way to Kanye's account. And Watchdogs.com donated $200 with the title quote, Don't be like Kanye. Get out of debt with us. <laughs> Chicago Bully Breed Rescue donated $5 saying the dogs are willing to give up $5 of their treat allowances to help Kanye <laughs> since his problems are so much bigger than suffering, neglect, abuse, starvation, and illegal dog fighting. Kanye had come out to say, you know, I'm not personally – Bankrupt. I can, you know, of course, afford like things for my lifestyle and stuff like that. But as far as the art goes, you know, I need help investing in this since these big companies won't. My problem is this: you're asking fans to donate. First of all, you're charging people like five to six hundred dollars for your clothing. Now you're t- asking the same people who probably went out and bought all that clothing to donate more money for the production of the clothing that you already charged them five six hundred dollars for. Do they get any rebate at the end of that? Like my question. What are you guys thinking? I want to know what John thinks. <laughs> right, because you see his head go up, and then I, go, I felt his interview. And, and then he wanted to up, say something in that process. I want to know what John has to say about this. I mean, it's it's, it's all entertainment at the end of the day. I mean, I, I personally love Kanye. Um, I think that he's a genius with what he does. I enjoy his album. I personally don't believe in paying a thousand dollars for a T-shirt, or I don't buy his shoes. I don't subscribe to that. But I understand what it takes to be. A business person. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get lost in the circus around Kanye, the things that he says. You know, I think that he, I think he's misunderstood a lot of times. But do you think he gets lost mm-hmm. in that circus? Like when he says the comment, uh, for a thousand years from now, people will, 
you know, remember me like these other names. And we were talking right before where we said, wow, you know, that Kendrick performance <laughs> at the Grammys. To me, that's something Amazing. for years to come. People will talk about that performance. Yeah. And we were kind of saying, I was, I was saying... I feel like Kanye could be that, but now he's with this Kardashian thing, and it's getting him a lot of publicity, but it almost takes away from the artistic... It clouds the artistic. So my question is, do you think he is in that circus mentally? Or he's, he's using it? I think, it's, I think he's using it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's intentional, and it's beyond the purest. Like, I consider myself a purist. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I see through all the mess. I don't even consider the Kardashians a factor when it comes to his artwork because mm-hmm. he had that X factor before he right. started dating Kim. And so I think it's more him doing that to reach a bigger audience because now, at this point, he's a household name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't know about Kanye until he pulled the whole stunt with Taylor Swift. Now everybody, you know, I had neighbors in my neighborhood that didn't even know how to say his name correctly that were coming up. Oh, you know, what's up with this Kane? this Kane guy? What is he why did he do that to that poor girl? And it's like he did it for this reason exactly. Which is so funny that he goes around saying, I put Taylor on and in reality I kinda of feel like it's the opposite. Well they put each well, other they help put each other put on. Each I other think on, I think he helped boost her fame. I personally feel that way. Because she had her own success. I'm not taking anything away from that, but I don't feel as though there were a lot of my peers that mm-hmm. were really checking for her. I, I feel like and vice, America... But vice versa, though. I, I think it demonized... I think America demonized Kanye, which actually helped him. Yeah. Yep. But I feel like they kind of coddled Taylor okay. Swift. Like, they yeah. went to her rescue, yeah. and, be, and she became, like, their poster <laughs> child. And so I, I feel like in that aspect, from that perspective, yes, he did kind of help to propel her career. But ultimately, I, I believe that she was destined for success and sure. always had it and... Vice versa, but you know, you think about Kanye; he's always been that way—a yeah, person yeah. to speak his mind, a person that's all about controversy to help propel his career. But do you think at one point, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf—that we get tired of it? You know what I mean? It's 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 cool; we hear it. You know, you're just like, okay, yeah, that's Kanye. But at what point do you say, even for me, it, it's starting to take away from his music a little bit for me? Um, because I, I, I have always enjoyed him. I think he's a musical genius. Right. But sometimes I'm just like, shut up, Kanye. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, now, and especially as we were just saying, Kendrick Lamar just performed at the Grammys. Now, I don't know what the future is going to hold for Kendrick Lamar. He may start to be the super outspoken person, but his performance and the way he handles things, I feel is different. And I respect his art a little bit more right now just because I feel like he's still humble. Right. And there's an aspect that I'm like, Kanye, man, I mean, at what point do you just say too much? And it's starting to turn me off a little bit. I think that has a lot to do with, it's it's almost like dating, where you see somebody that's extremely attractive, and then once you get to know them, there's certain, you know, little things that kind of like, like, I don't know if I like her using my toothpaste. You know, it's <laughs> right, right. little things. I thought you were going to say toothpaste. Like, what kind of family like, you come oh. from? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Now, I know people that do that. Right. But I mean, but I, I think it's the same thing with Kanye. He's he's consistently given us great bodies of work. Even sure. from the beginning, he came in where the world was doing snap music. Yeah. Here comes this breath of fresh air with, you know, college dropout, where yeah. he was actually saying the <laughs> same exact things that he was saying now as far as corporations, as far as racial tension and all of these things. And it's ironic how in the entertainment business, somebody that's saying something very nice, in general, people won't pay attention to it. And right. it's not until you say, hey, I'm outside building a house. Nobody is helping me. You're all idiots before people say, wait, what did you just call me? Right. What kind of house yeah. are you building? Yeah. Then they start to rush towards it. That's so true. with Kanye... He's obviously been trying to get into the fashion world from the beginning. He's put, Lord knows, I mean, if it is $53 million or probably yeah. more yeah. of his own money to try to invest into something that is going to help progress the culture. Right. Speaking of hip-hop or even just, you know, the black culture in general. And nobody is there to try to help or support him in that aspect. But everybody wants him to be... The jerk. That's but what blows my mind? Nobody ha- wants to be there helping. Okay, so you 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 get in with the <laughs> highest marketable clan, the Kardashians, right? Who has Chris Jenner? Who better I mean, not say clan when you reference the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> I was already family. a big social media movement. You better not say clan. Family. Use, use that name. Uh, sorry, just all the K's. No, <laughs> uh, but my thing is, is like you know. It just bothers me to see someone who understands that, and then you put the all your products, you, the people who 
you're supposed to be the savior for and everyone's rooting for are struggling or using all of their paycheck or their rent money or finding ways to just get these this clothing to put you on a pedestal and i feel like it's almost like i want for me i what i as a kanye fan i want him to rape the industry and give back to the people and i think that's that's primarily what he's trying to do to get to and that i point. think and, and the, the issue is is you have producers and you have consumers mm-hmm. and the consumers are the ones that are trying to help kanye to push kanye but it's still not enough when you have the producers on the other side of the fence that are above Kanye that are marginalizing him and pushing him down and saying, you know, the whole thing with Nike yeah, was right. your shoe isn't going to sell. And he's telling them, my shoe outsold your biggest product. Right. And you're telling me that this isn't, I'm bringing you these ideas and all of you are telling me that they're not working, but then yet and still somebody else does them and they become the biggest yep. things in the world. You're telling me my sound won't work, but then I produce this. It's the biggest thing. It has the most impact with this culture around the world and you're telling me that it's not working and I can see how that can become frustrating especially when you have a genius mind and you're like a a, a Picasso or you know somebody that's trying something different and revolutionizing what it means to be an artist what it means to be a genius what it means to be a fashionista whatever you know you're trying to get into you're trying to revolutionize these worlds and people are telling you that you can't and so with the comments of a thousand years Lord knows, we yeah, may be true. saying that he is the, the next Da Vinci or, you know, Walt Disney. Or Someone said to me yesterday, they were like, when you really look at it, there are certain types of people in this world. Some people can, ba- some artists can balance the creative and the business side. But some people are literally just the, I'm a creative. Like, don't right. ask me about nothing. I need someone to manage that other stuff. Right. I feel like he's the same way. I feel like, but he's been screwed over or bitten so many times that now we literally are seeing this live man who's just like, I don't really know what's going on in this industry. I'm going to call everybody out. I feel like he needs a really smart business partner I, I to help that, him with the financial stuff. I think he needs to stay exactly how he is. Really? I mean, he's emotional, and people respond to it. Mm-hmm. You know, people respond to it. That's true. They this, do. He gets a reaction regardless. He gets a reaction yeah. regardless. I mean, Steve Jobs did the same thing. He was very, you know, overreactive, and he got results. True. Some very positive spin. Kanye. Kanye. Boom. I'll take well, that. I like that. <laughs> whatever your favorite TV show is, make sure you guys check out our sister site, After Buzz TV. As soon as the show is over, I know I was watching American Crime, American Crime Story, and as soon as I was done, I had to go to After Buzz TV to get the buzz, the latest, with favorite celebrities and all that gossip. Check out AfterBuzzTV.com. All right. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Jesse. Courtney, I think you have some Beyonce I mean, after all this Kanye-ness, I can't, like, <laughs> bring back Beyonce. Here we go again. Okay, so this week, there was a sheriff in Tennessee. Some very unfortunate things happened in Tennessee. Yes. So there were eight gunshots heard outside of the sheriff's home, and it was very upsetting. And since Super Bowl's, the Super Bowl performance that Beyonce did, um... Seven to eight police have been shot and harmed. And so when Sheriff Robert Arnold woke up and heard those gunshots outside of his home, he just felt like, damn, Beyonce, why you had to do that? (laughs) So he went on TV and he did a press conference and um, he did an interview. And in this interview on Tuesday, he basically floated the possibility that Beyonce's politically charged performance and all of the anti-police feelings of late may have instigated the shooter that was shooting outside of his home as well as the other police shootings across the country that are closely watched. So the reporters were kind of like, wait a second, we're in Tennessee, Beyonce's not here, like, we don't get it, that was two weeks ago, what do you mean? So they, like, pressed, like, what, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He went on to say, quote, with everything that's happened since the Super Bowl and with law enforcement as a whole, I think we've lost five to seven officers, five deputies, sheriffs since the Super Bowl. Here's another target on law enforcement. And they pressed him again, like, what the hell does that mean, brother? Like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you have Beyonce's video and how that's kind of bled over into other things. It seems like it's about fighting law enforcement. Then he sent an email to the newspaper and went on to say that basically his comments were meant to reflect the violence and senseless killing of the seven deputies in the United States since the show, quote the Super Bowl, aired. And his comments were an observation of the violence that has occurred, but in no way was meant to offend anybody. So 
Damn it, Beyonce, you got all these police shot up because you did a politically charged performance, and I'm real upset about it. And scene. So, how many black kids have died uh, since the Katy Perry performance? Yeah. Mm. So it's because Beyonce did like the, the cops that got shot up, you know, because you know she danced Beyonce. at the Super Bowl. That's all good. that gyration. We all might gyration. we might need to rethink you know how we're listening to Beyonce and how yeah. we're putting that out there yes. for the world. Rachel, what are your thoughts on this? You, Don't you, have you, him watch you, our film. You are, I was going to say you come from a, a very racially charged play and film. So what what's your input on this whole backlash of Beyonce and all these things that people are saying from her performance? Um, I think it's heinous. I think they just want someone to blame. Mm-hmm. I mean, what she had to say was very relevant. I mean, her video was very relevant, and I'm glad that she did it, and I'm glad that she came out, and now is the time. I mean, these things have been going on for centuries, and I'm so proud for Beyonce and that she did what she did. Listen, as far as I'm concerned, and seeing. And what else is going on? I would just like to know what video they watched. Like, when he's referring to the video and her performance at the um, Super Bowl, because, like, I'm pretty sure in the video, like, the little boy that was um, breakdancing and the police are lined up, the police put their hands up and the little boy was dancing. He didn't right. turn and shoot them. Right. In fact, the next image was them saying, uh, writing on the wall saying, stop killing us. Right. Us. We, we weren't, at no point did she say, let me kill y'all instead. So I, I just was confused. But also confusing was the protest that we were talking oh, yeah. about last week. So there was an online position that was anonymous, so we don't know who put it up. But basically they were calling for the country and all of us out there who support the police to go down to the NFL headquarters in New York and protest the Beyonce performance. Biggest mistake of your life. They were life. super excited. And then there was concern because we all know how the Beehive swarms <laughs> on social media. So the Beehive they got wind play. of this and people were getting nervous. Like, oh snap, all these Beehive people going to come out here and they're going to meet with these people that are mad at Beyonce and it's going to be a whole reckless, uh, crazy f- situation. Three people showed up, y'all. For the anti. Three people showed up for the anti. Okay. There's conflicting reports about how many Beehive people showed up because they were saying no Beehive no, people yeah, showed first up. I read but then no somebody beehive, else said yeah. there were more, another yeah. report said there were more Beehive people that were right. there singing against the three people that showed up to protest. In their formation outfits. Well, the pictures that were out, it looked like it was a whole bunch of Beyonce fans yeah. talking about in formation. Yeah. So, formation. In there formation. you go. They started a petition. It didn't quite work. And there you go. Well, you know... It, I just it, think the it, media is doing this. It, 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 well, that could be it, too. But it's <laughs> we talked about this kind of last week. But it's interesting because there's a lot of uh, back and forth right now. I think that... People are feeling that now African Americans and, and, and minorities are really making a stance on what's going on in, in the community and talking about it. And then there's the other side of people who are saying, hey, don't blame us for everything. You know, your statistics are wrong about Black Lives Matter and who's being shot and how many people are actually shot per year versus one race versus another. So I, it, I, I, it's kind of interesting to see where this is all going to unfold to yeah. because everybody has their side that they're standing on and there's a lot of conflicting information for both, you know? And I, I don't really have the right answer right now. I don't know if anybody does because at the end of the day, we're trying to form something where we all work together and it doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like we're actually removing ourselves further and further away from that than trying to work together. Yep. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, I agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a heavy misconception about, you know, both sides. I think that, you know, there are certain people that get offended that shouldn't get offended. They're taking accountability for things that don't apply to them. Mm-hmm. And they speak up on it. And it, again, it doesn't apply to them. You know, um, Beyonce was obviously doing the same thing that NWA did back in the late 80s, which was simply just narrating exactly what is being seen. Um, <coughs> excuse me. A lot of the frustration, I mean, granted, we can't hold her responsible for these sure. shootings. Be- <coughs> excuse me. Maybe Beyonce doesn't want me talking about this. Um, <laughs> it's the You know, we've been seeing, you know, it recorded live and there's there's no type of repercussions that have been coming you know at least as far as the media has been showing no repercussions have been shown regarding like police officers being held accountable for their actions and different things of that nature so that increases a lot of the frustrations and the ironic part about it is is that most people don't respond when they need to Mm -hmm. the ones that do feel threatened or feel like we're talking to them 
they don't stand up when it matters. You know, when, when we say, you know, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Okay, well then, when these situations happen and it applies to all lives matter, you're nowhere to be found. Right. Like you're not speaking up on social media. All of your, you know, something happens, you know, locally, you're not changing your Facebook picture to, you know, represent what is there, whatever's happening local, you know, but you represent, you know, your own personal views, you know. True. And I feel as though if they just kind of get a better understanding of where someone like Beyonce or these people that are speaking up, especially the black community that are taking a stance, if they get a better understanding of why we are saying the things that we're saying, then I think they'll kind of come around. Do you two think that Beyonce was wrong for making the statement that she did with her performance at Super Bowl on, a, on, a, on that platform of a type of event? Do you think that she was wrong for that? I don't think she was wrong at all. I think that's what having that type of platform is for. Yeah. You know, it's, it's speaking up. When, you, when you're when you an artist, you're supposed to be a, a role model, and you speak on what you're dealing with. It would be a disservice, I personally feel, if I had a... a a grand stage like that, and I wasn't talking about issues that were happening in my hometown or happening to my family, happening to people that support me. You know, if I just got up and everything that I did was just talking about my voice, which is great, that's cool, but then when it came to something that was important, if I didn't take a stand and say, hey, this is what's going a, on. been a plague yeah. in my society, we need help, or you need to, you know, at least pay attention to it. You know, it's I a disservice that. to the people. What about you, Rachel? Do I feel that she was wrong in saying what yeah. she said? Absolutely not. Or performing not. the way she no, did. No, absolutely not. No, she had every right. She is who she is. And, I mean, now I feel more people um, within the industry are starting to speak up. Mm-hmm. And maybe she felt, well, hey, now is my time. And I hope more artists take after that as well. I'm sure we'll see a lot, we'll a lot of new performances coming out. I'm but it sure. just blows my mind that Kid Rock. I mean, I won't even use him as an example. But like, let's use Jessica Simpson, who had the Dukes of Hazard movie, who? and she came. I was like, where? You better no, check I'm her joking. coin bank, no, she got her Macy's bank. shoe line. I'm joking. But I'm no, joking. you look at Jessica Simpson when she came out with that Dukes of Hazard movie. And I, uh, these boots are made for walking. That music video had the Confederate flag painted all through it. And at that time, Jessica Simpson was Jessica Simpson, Nick Lachey. Like, she was the biggest pop star at that time. No one said nothing about that. No one cared about that. Or when there were little, you know, groups coming out and being like, why is that you guys promoting the Confederate? It was like, that's history. That's history. Why can't Beyonce have some... You know what I mean? And I don't know where the right... You know what I mean? Like, there was no statement of that. That was just people saying, oh, they're the Black Panthers. Beyonce never came out and said... I mean, I get it. But, like, if you're going to sit here and not get mad at these flags that are in these videos and all of this and and all of the other... it's just it's just crazy. But people to me. people don't take a video versus a platform that's like the all American. Before event the Super of the Bowl, year. they were complaining about Beyonce's video. I mean, but it's I, I hear you, but it's still they, they take a different tone. But it is what it is. It's gonna it's gonna be continue to be a conversation. Every always yes. will exist. Uh, okay, last but not least for my little section here, we have a serious privacy issue that has come up. You guys, biggest news story in the last twenty four hours is that Apple has been served by the courts, the federal courts. The FBI is like, yo, you about to open this phone from the San Bernardino shooter? I don't care how you do it, but you got to make it happen. Apple said, oh no, we don't. We are not going to do that because it is going to compromise the security of our entire nation of iPhone users, and that is not cool. So there's been a lot of back and forth. Um, Apple has uh, appealed the uh, warrant that has been issued to them, basically saying, like, if we... What they basically have to do is come up with software to essentially hack their own phones. And they claim that, you know, if you come up with the software to hack the phone, then that becomes accessible to any and everyone to continue to hack the phones. And the whole point of our iPhone and the way we have it set up is so that that is not going to be the case and that we can protect oh. your security. Um, then there's sort of an argument on the FBI side saying, like, we're not asking you to really like come up with a full backdoor to the phone. We just want you to come up with... So basically right now the FBI can like put in random numbers to try to break into this phone. But based on the way Apple has done their security, they can only do it 10 times before the phone can be like locked up and the information can be like encrypted and gone forever. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to tell Apple to also just come up with something that will 
get them to be able to do more entries than the 10 entries and still be able to access the information, but that's still technically a backdoor to yeah. the encryption of the phone. But that's what they're trying to tell all y'all out there, that it's not that big of a deal, and it's national security, guys, and we got to protect the country, and there could be some serious information on that phone, because Fareed, sorry, Cook, sorry, I cannot say his name, Fareed Sayuk, who was the San Bernardino shooter, could have had lots and lots of information on the phone that was terrorist-related, and they need to get to that information, and therefore, Apple must do it. So a lot of people thinking it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, which we won't get a decision anyway because we only got eight justices, and, you know, they won't get a new one in there either. So who knows how that's going to roll out. But basically, that's where it stands. A lot of people are kind of on social media going back and forth and figuring out. There's a side that says, of course, we need to break into this phone. It's for our safety, and then there's the other side that says, are you out of your mind? You're basically giving the government the right to break into all of your information in your phones. Hello, everyone's head. (laughs) But my thing is, if they really want to do it, they can do it anyway, so... Well, if they can... The point is, is if they can do it anyway, then why are they going through all of this in the public? Uh, That's true. I mean, that's true. I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's a hard thing, because it's a catch-22, because there are probably some certain circumstances like this where information is needed, and... If it's, you know, a terrorist or who he is a terrorist, you know, you need to get collect all the information about yes, him. Yes, you do. Um, you know, that privacy issue is a big thing. I mean, I, I still find it hard to believe that they can't get into that phone when they could take a satellite right now and beam us right now and take a picture of us without us even knowing. So I find it hard to believe that you can't get into that phone at all. Like, in all these years, like... You ain't never unlocked an iPhone, right? Like, as advanced as technology, I is feel at like this I know. <laughs> could make a phone call to somebody. Could do that <laughs> for twenty five well, bucks. All those are real legitimate questions. It made me wonder, like, what's really going on? In other words, keep the new pics off of your uh, what's cell really phone going on? storage. The new Take pics, those off. all your information. But I mean, everything is on people's phones. It's not just like the True. pictures. It's your everything. credit card information. Yeah. It's yeah. your health information. It's all of that. And and yeah. somebody could possibly have access to it already, or maybe they don't. But yeah. we don't know. I thought it was like they went to Apple and they're like, "Can you unlock this phone?" Apple was going to be like, "No, sorry." And well, basically, what they're saying, yeah, supposedly it's, "Can you unlock this phone?" But in order to to do that, we have to come up create with something, a create something which that will allow that. But if that is now mm-hmm. in existence and it has been created, then it's out there and available right. to yeah, whoever wants to do it. Right. Nah, y'all, no, that's why I'm using. Yeah, that but it's important. I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with it. I need to talk to Samsung because if Apple got that kind of lock, I'm gonna have to get me an Apple. It's important. And if it could stop, prevent something major or a major catastrophe, then that information is needed. Okay, but say they create this right now. All of a sudden, you have all these hackers out there who are like, "Oh wait, I can get into so and so's phone, so a government official's phone." Then and they're hacking into their phones. Who a nobody or a terrorist now is using the same system that Apple created to hack into these other phones to get all that private information. So, okay, it's so not a win-win either way. It isn't. It's just like <sighs> you know. I would just like them to hack into the IRS and make it so Ooh. we don't have to pay taxes. How about that? Let's try that. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to move on to um, <laughs> our ER Web Story Spotlight of the Week. <laughs> Spotlight of the week. Well, um, we are all, I'm sure, fans of the historic good times. I mean, most of, of us course. have seen it, grew up to it in some I form. Wore my damn, damn, damn. You know, I got my damn, damn, damn t shirt, Miss mm-hmm. Flo. Uh, well, that cast, the remaining cast, which includes John Amos, uh, Jimmy Walker, Janet Dubow, Bernadette Stannis, and Ralph Carter, are working together right now. They started a fun fun starter or fire starter account to create a reunion movie so they've been off air for 40 years which is crazy because i'm still watching those reruns like they yesterday yeah, but they're on tv one they are now. on tv one right now and they were on another channel as well uh, recently but um they are starting a, a fire starter account to create money for them to create this reunion they said that they keep getting stopped by people all the time saying you guys deserve a movie you know, we want to know where you guys are at now. It's been 40 years later. Everybody's really into this. They have a million-dollar goal that they have set. Mm-hmm. Currently, they have $5,539 that they've raised, and they have 12 more days, according to their fund account, to raise the rest of the money. Now, that's a huge difference, but 
the best way to promote this is by getting it out there to yeah, try and get people. people. You got to let people know about it. So I guess it's, I actually went onto the account to see like how it all worked. It's pretty easy. You know, just donate, and they have a range. They said you don't have to give a thousand dollars. You could give a dollar. You could give twenty five dollars, and they have an account called Ten Thousand Dollars, the damn 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 package. <laughs> so if you want to donate that much, get your damn 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 on. You know what I'm saying? Can I get a credit um, in the movie? Can I get, or right. You know, yeah. I, I think this is great. I mean, that, I think I do feel like people don't really talk about good times the way that they should. I mean, it was funny. Someone asked me the other day what two TV shows that I think could make a great musical, and I said Sanford and Son and Good Times. I think oh, it would a be musical. great. A, a great musical. musical. I said because the whole Fuller House thing is coming out right now. I would love family. I mean, uh, was it uh, Fresh Prince? Fresh but Prince. obviously, that ain't gonna happen because Jan's just out here screaming and whatnot. But um, <laughs> no, Family Matters. I would really love to see an Where updated. You know, it could be like one episode. Just you want to know special. if Urkel became a millionaire pimp? Well, no, I want to see man. if he can still do the Urkel. Oh. Do you remember the dance? He won't. I do. <laughs> Yes. But so I want to, you know what I mean? So I'm all for the reboots. I'm, I'm here for it. As Would, long as they're done properly. Because if you've seen the Fuller House cast, did you see him on, the, on yeah. the, um, uh, what's his name from SNL? Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their chemistry is yeah. like they never left the they, set. And they yeah. stayed, but they stayed friends yeah. all these years. All these years. I feel like Family Matters like can And I feel like these, they, good they did too. You yeah, know? I, it was interesting to see that they said, well, maybe they were just mentioning him as the remaining cast with John Amos because I, because I was thinking, I was like, he died on the show. So... How can he pop back yeah. unless he does a little flashback? But I don't know. You know, technology and tell in that. He like, was a. Right. I, I don't. That's, like, I mean, I like the. I don't know if I want to see a movie though. What do you two think? I can't you imagine what it? that story. Because yeah, I don't know how. I, feel I mean, about I would that. like to know. You know, Thelma was fine. I want to know what she's doing now. You know, I mean, what, what do you think? It sounds lovely to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, Such I a mean, pleasant answer you I, just gave. <laughs> I I, mean, I didn't necessarily grow up watching it, but I have seen a few episodes, and I know my elders, my uncles and grandma and grandpa, mm-hmm. they enjoyed it very much. And my uncle very much reminds me of JJ, so <laughs> I, I would love to see it. Why not? It's very nostalgic. Yeah, I, I think it would be great as well, but like you said, only if there was some sort of progression. Yeah. Like, you know, did they finally What's move? the story? Did they uh, move out? Yeah, right. they move out. I mean, yeah, Green, Green got yes. torn down in what? Yeah, I was going to say. I hope they're not all in one apartment somewhere right. somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> I don't want to see it then. Let's, let's move on. Let's yeah. Leave me with that they moved on up. You That's know? what makes yeah. me wonder, though, because the age range, like right now, the people that would invest to go see the movie yeah. probably weren't really into the TV show. Yeah, I mean, it's like That's my true. parents. It would be like my parents. So, yeah. I just remember it was always on, so I watched definitely watched the reruns all, all the time. But also the, the magic time. of taking a TV show and making it into a movie, like you said, that makes me nervous because Good Times hit some really deep issues. Yeah. Deep. So in a movie, it's like, just, is, are we going to get? Too I need deep? to know what the story is. Yeah. I just need to know what the story is because yeah. I, I can't imagine it right now. Well, if you want to donate, you can go Esther's to their gone. Firestarter account, and like I said, they have five thousand dollars, almost six thousand raised. Their they goal got is twelve days, y'all. Goal is a uh, hundred thousand. So if you want to, or excuse oh, me, a, excuse me, excuse me, a million, excuse me, a million, right. and you have till March fourth to help them maintain that goal. So right. donate a dollar. Either that or Kanye. You got, you got two choices. You got two choices. Go. All right, we're gonna move to our last story before we get into a great little interview with these two here. Um, this is something I'm happy to report. We talk about so many negative things in the industry, especially as of late with diversity and the lack thereof with the Oscars approaching. But there is a new boss in town, a new president. Uh, ABC has just appointed Channing Dungay as the network's first black woman president. She has been there apparently since 2009. She was the executive VP and she was very instrumental in ABC shows such as How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, uh, um, Quantico as well. Um, She replaced Paul Lee who was at his post for six years and she has been making her rounds right now, and she said that she's got some big changes that she wants to do with the network, and this is just huge, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, like I said, we we tend to focus on a lot of negative things in media, but let's focus on some of these positive things. She's making moves, been there, and, and working her way on up. So, yeah. I, you know, Shonda Rhimes obviously is very instrumental of just the executive producing part of everything with the show, so I think 
you know, those two working together no. is just going to be a powerhouse. So. A, woman. A, a woman. Black. A black woman. woman. First black woman first. As, as president that's of the so Well, we going to be talking about like, a thousand years it's after. It's crazy to think of first, <laughs> it's though. It's 2016 you know? yeah. and it's the first black woman. Well, when I first read the article, like, I, actually, I actually thought, I was like, oh, no, that, that can't be right. There has to be another like, one. Like, ever. Yeah, that's, that's just, crazy. that's crazy. Well. But it's baby steps. But ABC has also been, like, leading the charge, kind of, in the diversity department. They've done a really good job, so. Wait, that's is that really crazy? Like head of like the main networks to think like that? I don't think that. I think like it makes sense. That's I, why I think TV's it's been the way it's sad been. as hell. Oh, no, it's I think it's basically the bottom. Like I think crazy isn't oh, it's sad. sad. It's not sad like, that, that oh, it's yeah. crazy. Not that, that I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm just oh, yeah. like wow, yeah. that's deep. And maybe they can uh, give you two some new jobs too over there while we're doing that. Keep them working. You know what I'm saying? Keep them working. You know what I'm saying? All right. Well, congratulations to Channing. That concludes our topics of today. But before we leave, we want to talk to these two wonderful actors and actresses in the house today, Rachel Walker and John Merchant, about your play, first of all, Dreamscape, which is being adapted into a movie. My name is Maisha. Uh, But let's start off with just kind of giving us a little background on how you got involved with the play and what the play is all about because it's a great subject matter um, getting a lot of buzz and we're really happy to have you guys here today to talk about that so tell us a little bit more about the background of the play we'll start there the background of the play oh man so it was written by Rekirby Hines and it was about an incident of a young African American girl who was passed out in her car and it was in 1998 and her cousins had called for police help because she had a gun on her lap and they didn't know what was wrong with her. The doors were locked. The music was loud. They couldn't open the door, so they called the police for help. Once the police showed up, they couldn't wake her up. Officer bust open the window. He heard a gunshot, and they all began firing. In the end, she was shot 12 times, and, of course, she did not make it. So, um... And it happened in the Inland Empire mm-hmm. in Riverside on Central and Brockton. Mm. And how I got involved in this play was Rekirby Hines is a professor at UC Riverside, and I am a graduate of UC Riverside, and I was in the theater department. And that was, um, I graduated in 2010. He contacted me in 2011 and said, hey, are you still acting? By then I had given it up. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't have confidence. I just thought I need to make a living. I graduated from college. I don't know where my life is going. Um, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So I had two jobs, just trying to make it work, whatever I had to do to not go back home, to not live in my car. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when he asked me, I said, well, you know, it is my passion, and I really miss the stage. So, okay, I guess I'll, I'll try. I'll try it out. And um, here we are five years later. Wow. Cool. Um, my journey is is I met Rekirby about a decade ago. Um, I started beatboxing when I was six years old and stayed with it. And when I turned 18, I started going to an open mic in my hometown of Pomona. And Rekirby would often have, he had a, a hip-hop theater festival that he would do at UC Riverside. And the I'm an alumni of the open mic called the Mic and Dim Lights. We were a part of that festival. Kirby saw me, thought that I was amazing, and said, hey, we need to work together. That was a conversation that we had over the course of the years, and uh, eventually one day he walked into a job that I had. I saw him and his wife, and he said, hey, I have something for you. Give me an email, sent a script, and said, show up this day. And <laughs> I walked in and, and met Rachel, and once again, here we are five years later. Wow. And, and the play is very hip-hop oriented and charged. Hip-hop theater. So, so give us a little bit of your, your technique and background with that as well, because a lot of people didn't know that with the play. Is it a musical? It's it's not a musical. It's more of a... Ish. Uh, she says, <laughs> she's like... Ish. Uh, I, I would consider it a musical. I mean, it's not okay. your typical it's musical, typical. Right. but I mean, hip-hop theater encompasses music. I mean, this one especially. I mean, it's all throughout the play. You are the soundtrack. So with hip-hop theater, that's that's the genre that, that Kirby he's been a practitioner since the late 80s. Um, and what hip-hop theater is, it's basically taking the elements, the performative elements of hip-hop and allowing them to be a narrative tool in, in telling a story. Um, being emceeing or rapping, DJing or beatboxing, dance, and uh, graffiti or mm-hmm. tableaus. Mm-hmm. And this play uses emceeing. So a lot of the, the 
the dialogue that she has, or really everything that she says is very poetic. It has a very poetic flow to it. There's a lot of rhyme, different rhyme schemes. Um, there's the musicality, I beatbox, so uh, I portray three different characters, the dispatcher, the officer, and the coroner. <laughs> and there's a lot of layers that I've written into it as far as the beatboxing and researching different songs to add to her. Mm-hmm. So the play is primarily about Maisha, the character Maisha. My character is just an accompaniment. It's just to help enhance and help her to tell the story, as well as dance. Uh, the play is basically written from three points of departure. So what was going on through this 19-year-old black woman's mind as she was being shot to death by the police, the actual coroner's report, what was happening to her body, and also the actual transcripts from the dispatcher, from the officer, and once again, the coroner. Um, and it's definitely evolved from what Kirby envisioned at first. He initially had a DJ on stage because when you think about you know, a DJ, what he carries his equipment in is called a coffin. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of her constantly coming back to this coffin being cut mm-hmm. and scratched, the coffin representing the coroner's table, so on and so forth. That's uh, so dope. The evolution of it is is he incorporated, somebody suggested him using a beatboxer, which is where I came in. And we just added and, and grew with it. And I think with our chemistry and our passion and love for not only what we do, but for this work and this this art form, you know, it's really helped to enhance it to make it something that's just bigger than life. You know, uh, when you read the script, it simply says, you know, scratches, you know, numbers of one. And one of the things that we did were I found samples that utilize one to tell the story. For example, uh, the first gunshot goes through her arm. So a musical sample that I use is dilated people's worst come to worst <laughs> and I also used uh, Jay-Z's song Squeeze First oh, yeah. um, and so, so you're just beatboxing I'm be- I go it's, there's a prologue and then the introduction to the first the first scene is Worst come to worst, my people they come first. Oh, boom, 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 boom. Wow. The entrance to gunshot number one. Wow. Squeeze first, ask questions last. The entrance to gunshot number one is located on the right upper arm. Mm. You know, and then goes into. Oh, I'm piece. here for wow. this. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you're in the popcorn. Right now. It's so hard not to dance. Thank you. Just your rhythm, just right off of him. It was just instant. Oh, and for you, okay, I know you have a, a musical background because you beatbox. You know what I mean, and you, you obviously know music. For you, kind of coming onto this play. Did you have a, was it hard for you to learn the rhythm of it? You know what I mean? Because I feel like this is just such a, it's so unique. You know, it's not your everyday play. So how do you, how does it, how long does it take you to embrace that rhythm? Yeah, the physicality of it. The physicality for me actually came quite easily because I am a dancer. I, uh, the rhythm to me, I just feel it and it's, ooh. I mean, especially the more we work together and I, I, I hear him. I feel him. Yeah. So I feel it through my body. So it was very easy for me to embody the character. But as far as the rhythm of the text, that was what was hard for me. Because she's an MC, And like he said, everything she says is very poetic. Mm-hmm. And, and she raps, too. I had never rapped mm. uh, before performing this play. So, you know, I was like, um, <laughs> I don't think I sound very good. Um, but, you know, that's when I had to do my research. That's when I had to look up um, artists. And she was a big fan of Aaliyah. And so um, I was able to relate to that. So finding the rhythm in that and then also with um, other artists who are very poetic. And I had mentioned earlier um, my soul sisters, Jill Scott and India, mm-hmm. Rier, Kabadu, Lauren Hill, and listening to them and see how how they represented their work through their music and then trying to build that into my speech. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, having to keep it as speech. Right. And, but yeah. it's very Shakespearean. And because I was in theater in college, I was able to study Shakespeare. So that helped me as well. What uh, is one of your favorite parts within 
the play to perform? Oh, all of it? Um, <laughs> favorite? Oh, man, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, because it all just happens so fast. Yeah. I mean, she's there and she's talking, and then she gets brought back to the back to the chair is what we have, um, the coffin, if you will. And then she's there, and he does his beatboxing, and then she's out again, and then she comes back, and then she's out again. So it's very fast-paced. So I don't have time to really breathe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, w- I would have to say the same thing. Um, all of it, simply because we take the, the audience on a journey. Yes. You know, it's, it's one of those things to where we could tell you the entire, you know, plot theme, everything about the play, and you'll know, like, obviously this girl, she loses her life at the end of the yeah. play. You'll get so just, you become the character yourself, just watching. Like, you fall in love with Maisha to the point to where you don't want her to die. You're almost rooting for her to continue to live. Mm, right. And I feel as though that we've grown this piece so much to where we take you on an emotional journey. I think there's been, I don't think there's ever been a show where there's been a dry eye in, in the audience, mm. and a lot of that has to do with the juxtaposition between our characters, you know, with her being so vibrant and my character being so cold, with, you know, the, the, the collaboration between the two of us on taking you away from the reality of what's really happening, yeah. especially with the beatboxing. I've crafted beats so well that you will forget that they're actually representing a bullet that's mutilating her body, mm-hmm. you know, and we've had people say that a lot of times, you know, during our conversations afterwards where they say, you know, what was this beat? It sounded like you were doing something backwards and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I was because I wanted you to get lost in this music, which oftentimes happens in our, in our society. Somebody gets killed. We're so against it and we're trying to take a stand and we want some sort of action, but then we get distracted by something that's happening in society. We get distracted by something that's happening in our community around us and then we just get lost in this fantasy world and then there's still somebody being shot to death. And then we don't come back to that or even recover before it happens again. Mm. You know, and we're still lost in this dream world. And so with that play I feel like we kinda encompass all of those emotions and, and all of those things that take you on a journey. And I love the fact, even though I'm a DJ and, you know, that boy probably done lost his money and his coin. But I got to say that I, I can, I mean, without seeing the play yet, but I can imagine taking that aspect and switching it for the beatboxing. It brings it to a really personal yeah, place right. to just hear that and to just hear dialogue. And that's so strong to me. And my question to you guys is hearing that this is going to become a movie. How do we take... Because I love theater, but I also know sometimes theater and bringing it onto the big screen can be difficult. Right. It has to be done, you know, specifically. How is this going to translate over? Is it going to? Are we going to bring the beatboxing in? Is it mostly going to be focused like the play? Or absolutely, it's it's pretty much going to be taking the play and turning it into a movie. So there's still going to be elements that we have in the play that are going to be translated. We have an incredible team. Um, Gus Krieger, Michael Pass, um, Mika Tennant, who's actually working very hard to make sure that it stays true to not only the writing, but mm-hmm. the structure that we have within the play, which is very simplistic. Uh, the thing that, that blows everybody's minds will show up, and typically when you think of a play, you think of a big production and a lot of light cues and everything. People, how much time do you need to set up? Well, just we need two chairs and, and a microphone. And that's it. Yeah. Turn the lights on, turn them off, and we've done it in theaters. We've done it in cafeterias, classrooms where we've literally have we couldn't move the desk, so we basically turned the classroom around mm. to be able to perform inside of a classroom. This is in Poland, and so yeah. It's, Do you know what I'm about to ask? Could y'all give us a little, a little something? something. Yeah. You know what I mean, like like oh, something well, like real something. Like, what you want to do? Because I can what imagine. You do? What you want to do? <laughs> I want to shoot. <laughs> I mean, there's there's the hair. There's New York. New York is fine. Mm-hmm. You want to do New York? From what part? From the be- uh, from towards the end. Okay. So then it's a mix of mm-hmm. beatboxing as well as you. I love mm-hmm. people. How much time? How much time? No, I mean just just, just to give us a taste. I mean, I'm after taste. the beatbox and I'm yeah. sold. I got. I'm sold. Yeah, you, you <laughs> have me a beat. Like, yeah, do, you're do good. It, but I, I want to see the you guys work. I want to see live right here. You want to do six? Okay, what's six? Or three? Let's do three because three is shorter. Mm-hmm. Shorter. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Cheerleader. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's. 
All right. Now, do I speak into the camera? Yes. 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 Okay. This, this, this She's audience. already on. I love it. Yeah. I love let it. Me, let me get, let me get, let me get my chair. Hold on. Lean back Can you quick. bring me in? Absolutely. My back is actually turned into play, so I'm going to get into character because it's all about her, so that's what we're going to do. One, two, three, three, three. The entrance to gunshot number three. Oh, look at the gas. Show him where it's at. The entrance to gunshot number three is located on the right posterior shoulder on the right upper back. This is a typical distant gunshot wound entrance. The course of the projectile is through the skin and soft tissue and exits the wall of the back. This is a non-fatal gunshot wound to the right upper back. 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 One, two, three, break! I was always a tomboy. People used to say I must be gay because I dress this way. Baggy jeans, sneakers, my shirt hanging loose this way. Always a tomboy. And if you don't like it, you can kiss this this way. Look good playing the field. Yes. Still has sex appeal. Play some basketball, but softball was my game. Got my pitch up to 65 my last year at Riverside High. Even got a little fame. It's true. Got my picture in the Black Voice newspaper. <laughs> Page B2. My best pitch. I called it the quickest split. Have batter singing the blues. <laughs> See ya. Love the sound of my pitch in the catcher's mitt when it hit that sweet spot. It was like... Like, uh, sounded good, felt good, <laughs> and I look good too. <laughs> okay, let me stop. <laughs> I did look good though. I'm thinking about walking on to a Cal State or UCR, RCC, Valley, Cal Poly. <laughs> I messed up and didn't get my applications in on time. <laughs> Tom boy. Man, I could have been a cheerleader if I wanted to. Homeboy. My name is Maisha, and I'm the best. Don't mess with me, you'll get the rest. My name is Maisha, you know my name. Wanna get with me, you better step up your game. My name is Maisha, and I'm the best. Wanna get with me, won't get the rest. My name is Maisha. Okay, I want to go. Let's go right now. Oh, that was so awesome. That was amazing. Love it. Like, wow. Love, love, love um, it. I'm blown really away impressed. by that. Like, away. just seeing the whole transformation right there. Like, no, I can imagine. I can really imagine. I was almost going to interrupt you and be like, girl, let me take this chair out of the way. I almost Even to the whistles. That, like, I, I know. I mean, I was. I forgot I was in the studio. Yeah, you said like, my name. It, we was all like, <laughs> I felt like I was doing the formation. Then. I, know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, um, they're telling us we got to wrap up. Unfortunately, oh, so okay. Child. What are we gonna so, do? So where, where do people find you? First of all, if they want, okay. So I want to see. You it. got okay, me so discombobulated right now because I feel like I was in the play. So. I know you guys are still raising money for the movie, yes, correct? So how do people, people find out help. how to give money towards the movie? Kickstarter. Okay. My name is Maisha. Okay. Kickstarter, my name is Maisha. Uh, we also have social media, my name is Maisha, on Twitter. And, yeah, you can also go to the website, www.mynameismaisha.com. We do have a Kickstarter video and other promotional links that we have posted uh, on the website and on our Twitter. But my name is Maisha look it up Kickstarter and it's the same thing give a dollar five dollars we feel like this work needs to be seen not only because it's something that we feel is relevant to what's happening and has been going on but it's just it's great work it's something that everybody can relate to it's something that will touch hearts and minds and hopefully will change the perspective and the paradigm that's been happening in today's society 
dope informative oh. art. Yes, please donate. They have a hundred thousand dollar goal. They have twelve days left. You have about thirteen thousand right now. It's plenty of time to donate more to make yes. this happen because we need to see this on the big screen. Yes. I mean, we need you need to send this to your, your Kickstarter to Spike Lee. All these I was direct, like, send, on send it to people that can give the big dollars too. Uh, where can they find you on social media specifically? Personally, you can find me at I am Rachel Walker Facebook. Uh, I am Foz, uh, just at Foz, F-A-A-H-Z, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of the above. And they can go see, they can still go see, see the, the play, play, correct? Uh, we have been primarily focusing on the on solely the on the movie, movie. Okay. trying to raise funds and getting into character and, okay. and developing the movie. Well, please let us know if you do, do another, another play because we want to promote it because yeah. I want to yeah. go. I'm so, going to be there. Like I mean, yeah, I'm like, but seriously, please let us movie. know because, yes. <laughs> Throw a party. Throw a party, <laughs> something. <laughs> Courtney, where can fans find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stuart Starlet. Everywhere at DJ Jesse J. And you can find me at Dario Kristen on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, it's I'm been an absolute pleasure. Like, yeah, I'm still I'm like bouncing in my chair. I still am hearing you beatbox and watching your arm movement right there, Rachel. I mean, I'm just, uh, yeah, you I'm going to be going, everyone's going to be like, who's Maisha? Right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm blown away. Congratulations. That's, that, I'm Fantastic thoroughly work. impressed. And thank you. For yes. doing thank, you for thank you for uh, that. And support them. Support this play and this in this movement and this Kickstarter and this movie. Y'all know y'all got five dollars. Y'all know go y'all got five dollars. Don't go to that. Don't, don't, don't go to club. Starbucks today or whatever right. and go donate some. Don't money. go get the vodka tonic. Give it a little five dollars. No, you if know. you get the vodka tonic in LA, you got twelve dollars. So go right, right, right about that. <laughs> right about that. All right, well, thank but you guys. True. Please come back and uh, keep us informed on what's going on with the movie and the play. Yeah. All right, thank you guys for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live. We will see you next week. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christie, Gianna Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram at KingXOVay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. I was about to say. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.